episode two. I am here with my co-host Heather Atwood. How are you doing, Heather? I'm well, Corey. Thank and you. I am Corey Kukaru, and we are back here talking food, drink, and all things Cape Ann. Thanks for joining us once again. Very special guest today. We have Tucker and Elise Smith of Cedar Rock Gardens over on Concord Street in West Gloucester. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Corey. Have really a phenomenal happy. rainy morning. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we make the best of it anyway, though. It's, you want the rainy season, don't you? Well, uh, on occasion. It's always something to complain yeah. about. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, really looking forward to your story and seeing what's in store for Cedar Rock Gardens for 2019. Heather? Yes. And you have a report, Tucker and Elise, already, right? You, uh, do you frequent Cedar Rock Gardens? I go there whenever I can. Yeah, my Just mom does if I'm too, in a yeah. bad mood, I think, if I go to Cedar Rock Gardens, I'll feel better. <laughs> I, I really, I love Cedar Rock Gardens, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, and I would say that a rainy day in April is a good day for those guys to come in here and do a podcast, right? Oh, it's much better being inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, so for those who don't know anything about Cedar Rock Gardens, where are you? And just could of give me the A to Z on, on the layout of the farm there. Sure. So we are at 299 Concord Street in West Gloucester, and we have a nursery there where we sell seedlings of all kinds, vegetables, herbs, and flowers. And we also have a two and a half acre farm where we grow crops. And Tucker can talk a little bit about that. Yes, yeah, so we have a vegetable CSA. We have 80 families that are signed up for it. And mm. we grow um, 50 different kinds of vegetables as well as herbs and flowers for CSA members as well as for a wholesale distribution around Cape Ann. Very cool. And you grew up here? Yeah, I was born... Um, on the farm in West Gloucester. Yep. You were born on the farm? Yeah, my first name is Ford, and yep. my mother couldn't decide whether to have me at home or at the hospital, and my father gave up trying to figure it out, and he pulled over. No kidding. That's <laughs> awesome. And I was born in the back of a Ford truck. <laughs> That's great. But he went home to West Gloucester to the farm he's on now, right? Really yeah. cool, yeah. 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 And how about you, Elise? What's your background? And I grew up in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not born in the back of a truck. <laughs> 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 uh, but I got into farming about uh, six years ago now, and I came there via finance. I was in corporate finance for a couple of years oh. after college and decided farming was a calling, and it's been great ever since. Awesome. Okay, I need to pause on that for a second. What, what was your thinking there, Elise? <laughs> That's, that's a really interesting transition. Yeah, right? it is a really interesting transition. So I love math, and actually I met Tucker in high school uh, trigonometry class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do have to point out that you guys are married. That's how Heather yeah, and I right. met. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not yeah. married. Right, no. yeah. right. <laughs> uh, and so when... Tucker and Noah started Alprilla Farm. That sort of opened my eyes to agriculture, and I was still working in finance, and, you know, it was it was boring. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry for all of you doing that, but I didn't love it. Uh, but working on the farm was so much fun. And so when the time was right and um, we were ready to start our own business, Tucker and I started Cedar Rock Gardens. Right. Mm-hmm. That's great. So do you want to give our listeners and me just a little background on Alprilla Farm and your relationship with Noah there? Like may, a lot of people might not know what Alprilla Farm is. So give us some history. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Alprilla Farm is located across the street from the Cape Ann Golf Course. Um, uh, it is currently run by Sophie Corser-Kellerman and Noah Corser-Kellerman. Um, and... They 
I started in 2011. Noah and I did as 50-50 business partners. And you guys were like friends in high school? Is that right? Noah and I used to get together for one week a year and stack hay bales, and then we would never see each other again for the rest of the year until the following July when it was time to stack hay bales again. And Noah heard that I was going to go to ag school, and he approached me to see if I wanted to go and start a CSA at El Prilla Farm um, with him, and I responded, what's a CSA? <laughs> <laughs> so that was really one of, was it the first farm, uh, maybe not the first farm, but the first farm I'm imagining run by young people, started by young people, you know, the, of a wave, and you are mm -hmm. the next wave. Right? Is that right? Yeah, it seemed like we uh, we were both 22 at the time, and since we've started that farm, there's probably been another five or six that have popped up in the area after um, that have been run by friends of ours or other people that have grown up on Cape Ann. Mm -hmm. So do you think... What do you think is driving that movement, Tucker? What would you say? Well, I would say it's just delicious food. I mean, you can't beat the local grown food, the lifestyle choice. Um, it's awesome to be outside all the time, even when it is raining. Um, but it is, uh, you know, being here on Cape Ann, working on Cape Ann, living on Cape Ann, and eating great meals with great people is, you know, that seems like good life to me. So Very well I've been put. pretty happy yeah, with it so far. And you, it seems like you all kind of support each other and help each other out, you know, the, your community of makers and growers and things mm -hmm. like that, right? Yeah, I mean, in between all the – Cape Ann's kind of a unique thing here we have going on where we're all sharing tools. Um, right now where we're all getting into the business, you know, it makes a lot more sense for us to share things than to buy it individually. And so we've worked and collaborated together – with tools, with business ideas, with um, hardships that we're having to see if somebody else has found different techniques to deal with them. And, and so it's really been great um, to bounce all these ideas off your colleagues. It's, it's so important starting a new business like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And do you want to talk about the role that um, the chefs have in your community? Because that's been helpful too, right? Oh, it's been huge. Yeah, the, the push for good local food has been that's basically kept our industry the way it is because, you know, the lack of real intense competition like you find in so many other industries is just not there in the farming situation we have here in Cape Ann. There's so many chefs, there's so many consumers that are interested in in eating local and and uh, that's really benefited all of us. They they come to us and ask us for certain things and we're able to grow them because we're a little bit smaller and mm. And, you know, we have sort of openings in the crop plan where we can fit new items in. And, yeah, there's plenty of restaurants around here that, that support us, and, and we're super thankful for that. That's all I was just going to ask, too. So you're supporting markets and restaurants. At least you should, you should tell them about your trade yesterday with Oh, Danielle. yeah, you know, we're able to turn our vegetables into anything from olives and pasta <laughs> to yeah, any other thing you can barter for with vegetables. But... Yeah, Danielle over at Paseo Via Corta is, is a great consumer of our goods. And, right. and um, we have a great system set up with her where 
you know, she buys product from us and uses them in her product, and we can trade our spinach for pasta. So we harvest spinach out of the ground, and at the end of the day, we come home with a nice box of carbs, which is great for us. Yeah, that's <laughs> Bartering's a big part it of making it happen mm-hmm. here. Yeah, and I happen to know, um, because I talked to you guys about this before, that it's really interesting. We have a pasta maker who's able to use local vegetables. Mm -hmm. You're not Mm -hmm. usually thinking that 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 business could go hand in hand. So do you want to talk about the way she uses your vegetables? Because it's kind of inventive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's super creative. I mean, we just... Tell them about the uh, nettle yesterday. Yeah, we just sold her some uh, stinging nettle. Do you grow stinging nettles? Yeah. Yep, oh and God. it's something those. that right? you really Ugh. don't ever want to touch or get near, but it's delicious. Mm. <laughs> and the smell is just this pungent spring green scent. And Danielle actually grinds them up and turns them into pasta. So you can get nettle pasta. It's so green. It's amazing with red sauce, that really? complementary colors. And, and it tastes fabulous. Nettles actually have 11% protein in them, so... You know, if you're not a meat eater, you can have nettle pasta, and it's... That is good to know. Isn't that interesting? We were just talking about nettles, I think, a day or two ago for allergies and... I need something ASAP. Oh, and pasta no. would be a good start. You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Right. You yeah. could just have a bowl of pasta and cure your <laughs> allergies. Yeah. yeah, this time of year is specifically great for cutting nettle because it's nice and short. Mm. And you can take that top two-inch cut and get nice, four nice leaves off of it. So it's a really good time of year to go out and cut it because you're not going to get a lot of stem and the leaves are nice and tender. Nice so time. are these wild nettles or did you guys actually plant them? We have a couple different plots on the property where we've the nettle was already naturally growing and we've let them take over um, and have done our best to kind of cultivate them. But so they are wild. We do not fertilize them in that sense. Um, but uh, so yeah, they're right on the field. Then. If we can't make pasta, what what's a great use for way to prepare nettles? Oof. Wild nettle and green garlic, so good. Mm. So Sauteed? I have to say that when you cook nettle, it does not sting you anymore. So don't oh, yeah. be afraid to eat it. But it does when you pick cooked. it, right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah. use gloves to harvest it. But you know, if you just used it for anything like you would spinach, you just put it in a pan with a little bit of olive oil or butter. You can saute it, or really? you can put it in a soup like kale. Yeah, it's really hearty, so it doesn't sort of turn spongy and and um holds its nice hearty flavor and yeah it's delicious just um make sure you give it a quick source of heat so that it it takes the sting away before you try to put it in your mouth (laughs) gotcha very cool to know isn't that cool Mm -hmm. yeah so uh let's first of all i want to make it clear what kind of a farm you are you're i don't think you're organic right uh we follow all organic standards um to the t uh but we are not certified organic because that's so hard we don't to do. like paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so we follow all the that's rules. That's a green practice right there in yeah. itself. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just have to point out, I belong to your CSA, and I am a major shopper at your nursery, and the quality of your plants and your vegetables is just so great. And for anyone who has not purchased your, you know, organically grown vegetables, not certified... You just have to taste the difference. It, it's like compared to the grocery store vegetables, it is just there's no comparison whatsoever. Mm. So, and for people who can see this on camera, we have beautiful examples of <laughs> what's happening in your nursery right now. Yeah. 
And I want to jump to that because I know there's a really good story about you guys making the transition from being straight farmers to having this nursery. You want to tell about tell that's how that happened? Yes. So uh, four years ago, we um, Barbara Dombrowski shut down Goose Cove Garden Center. And I heard that, and she reached out to us to see if we were interested in getting her greenhouses. Could you just sort of describe her business, how she started it? Because you guys are definitely carrying the mantle. And yeah, so was important. Barbara was a phenomenal gardener, um, also a fantastic businesswoman, and really ran a great business over off of Giav um, by Willow Rest. And... She, her main focus there was on organic vegetable starts and herb starts as well as flowers um, for at, for the home gardener. And so we've continued that same torch. She was um, a guide for us in our first season, and one of her old employees helped consult us um, during our first season as well. And uh, we've carried it on from that. So. Yeah, when she was closing up, it was a huge loss for this community because so many home gardeners went to her mm-hmm. for, you know, because we knew that we could have beautiful plants, you know, because she started them as babies for the best possible way in her nursery. So it was devastating to so many people, particularly the people who cared about their tomatoes, <laughs> right? So you've started the nursery, and now you are in, have you have this beautiful standard of growing nursing the baby plants, Mm -hmm. but you also have the tomato day event, right? (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, we release our tomatoes and other warm weather, delicious items like peppers, eggplants, and basils all on May 22nd this year. So we try to wait for the warm weather to come so that no rogue frost nights come and and kill your baby tomato plants because we love them still as much as you will. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we sort of save each other from uh, doing things too quickly. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Barbara also, you know, she really passed on the torch of growing awesome varieties of things. So, you know, we have a lot of the standard sort of the brandy wines and the big beefs and those types of things that you sort of seek when you want just that beautiful, big, large slicing tomato. But we also have new varieties every year that we trial and we decide that they're wonderful, so we want to offer to the community. And so this year we have um, Arkansas Traveler is a new variety that we have this year, and that's a really very, very delicious dark red meat tomato, good for slicing, um, good for roasting. And so it's fun for us to go through the catalogs in the wintertime and sort of look at all the cool names, firstly, of all the new varieties of things, but then also the descriptions written by whatever ray of sunlight is (laughs) beaming down on that person in the wintertime for us to be able to read and and actually taste that flavor in our mouths. Um, So May 22nd comes along, and we get to put all of our tomatoes outside, and the reality of eating that tomato is that much closer. (laughs) Are you hybridizing your own varieties? So actually, Tucker can talk a little bit about the... um, Let's talk about this baby. The new process, yes. So what's going on Yeah, I don't know if you guys can see this, but this right here is we have a Maxifort tomato rootstock. Then we put a cut in it at a 65-degree angle. Then we take took this striped German, which is one of my favorite varieties of tomato, and we spliced it onto the top. And this is called a top graft. 
here. And the big thing with this is you're going to get all your disease resistance from your rootstock as well as it's going to scavenge fertility better. And then you're going to get your fruit production of your top stock. So one thing we're trialing these this year in our greenhouses and most commercial growers have already gone to doing grafted tomatoes because you're supposed to get twice the production for a longer period of time. Um, from each plant. From each plant. But one of the other things that we're learning this year is we're going to need to have twice the trellis infrastructure in place because instead of dealing with a 10-foot plant, you're all of a sudden going to be dealing with a 20-foot plant. Uh-huh. And wow. so there's so a big difference in weight on the greenhouse as well as how to plant these, how to prune them, and which way to go. So this year, you're growing these for your own, to be selling tomatoes yeah, or so part of your CSA. Yeah, at the part of the CSA and also at our farm stand, we do sell produce at the nursery there. Um, right now we're selling spinach and potatoes and carrots. Um, but this will be, you know, tomatoes that we're selling this year will be grown on grafted tomatoes. Wow. So I miss the fact that there was a little retail vegetable thing happening when I was there the other day. Yeah, we're sort of slow getting it started up. It's, it's good to know, though. Yeah, for, it's new this year. So we're we're only selling things that we grow on the farm. Uh, so the potatoes and carrots were stored from last season. Uh, and the spinach we just harvested out of our greenhouses as the last winter crop mm-hmm. that we great. did. Yes. That's great. Yeah. And in terms of, um, you know, how we grow and the practices we use, we're always super excited to talk about that with anybody who's wondering what exactly goes into the plant that they're putting in the garden, producing the food that they're going to put into their mouths. Um, we are equally as concerned with all of, with all of those subjects. And mm-hmm. so if you ever have questions, concerns, you want to see what we're doing, you want a little tour, you know, just come on by and we're happy to take you along and, and explain uh, in detail, if you'd like, <laughs> what we do, you might have to stop us. <laughs> well, let's just talk a little bit. I would like to hear, uh, we were talking before the podcast about all this rain, mm-hmm. and you have a particular kind of soil. So what are the challenges for you specifically on that land growing? So, yeah, right now we're growing um, pretty close to the coast, um, fair distance away as well, but mostly on clay soils. And with the clay soil, it can pull water from six feet down or six feet across. And so it, that's why it stays wet for so long. And right now it's been very challenging this spring with getting onto the field. You know, obviously if we're doing a 10 by 10 Smaller planting, we can be real delicate with our hands, but when we're talking about planting 1,100 feet of bed feet of onions, we're talking about using machinery in that sense, and we have to be very sensitive with the clay. Hmm. Um, So we're hoping for four days of sunny weather. You know, we just got two days, and within those two days, we were able to plant last night from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night, and then it rained this morning and no more planting until the fields dry out. So one other technique that we have is, it's kind of like Fenway Park when it rains, <laughs> where we took giant silage tarps that are 50 feet by 100 feet, and we took those out this morning, and we literally covered a 100 foot by 100 foot section of the field, and we'll leave that until the rain goes away, and then we'll uncover it on Sunday 
Hopefully we get 24 hours of drying, and then we can start forming beds. Oh, wow. So those beds are completely covered. Yeah, they're just completely covered. To, and then that rain hits the tarp, and it runs down the hill. Huh. Wow. So it can be very challenging, but you just kind of got to roll with what you're given. Yeah. But in the meantime, you still have your nursery going, and people can come by and be purchasing. Um, well, I purchased some beautiful basil the other mm-hmm. day, and you've got some basil here. Genovese basil, maybe? I don't know. That one is a cardinal basil, which uh, I'm really excited about. It has a beautiful red flower on the top. And cool. so you can have it as an ornamental, and you can eat the leaves. It also attracts bees and hummingbirds, oh. which is really super cool. Because of the, the, the fr- its fragrance? The red flower, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So when does it get the flower? So it'll get the flower in late July to the beginning of August. It'll start to flower. And we had our little trial pot last year, and the flower lasted all the way till the end of October, which was super awesome. And if you cut the big top flower off, it sends off little tiny flower shoots. Really? kind of cool. That was my question. Is yeah. I usually pull that flower off, yeah, but uh-huh. um, I don't want to if it's red mm-hmm. and yeah, attracting yeah. all those. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's worth noting that with regular Genovese basil or sweet basil, you do not want the flowers. Right, on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Cool. And your lettuces, I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. It's just like the most delicious thing to have this time of year. So do you want to talk about the lettuce um, bouquet you have down there? Yes, planter? so this is a salad bowl that is made with Salanova lettuce, which was developed by a Dutch seed company. And there's three times as many leaves on Salanova lettuce as there are on regular head lettuce. Um, and these, the, the Salanova gets about 12 inches in diameter itself. And then you just harvest from the outside, and it will continue to grow. So you get like three to five cuts off of your lettuce. You can keep these right in your kitchen, or you can put them on the deck. Um, This one was outside in the rain this morning. So So you could just, as you just said, I'll repeat it, keep it in the planter. I was thinking I would take it home and put the, break it up and put the the heads in my garden. Yeah, you could do that with this. But they'll thrive like this. Um, They'll thrive like this. And we also do sell this in six packs. So that those would be the ones you'd buy to put in your home garden. Right. And what's this guy over here? And this is a marigold. Um, This is another flower that I really love because it has a lot of different characteristics that are good for the home gardener. It repels pests. It has a beautiful flower. Um, It is... A really wonderful long blooming flower and it also has these really cool leaves for the foliage that you know I like to put in the back of planters but you can also put uh, it on your cool. borders of your garden and and bunnies don't eat them which is good for this really? area <laughs> yeah it's very good for this yeah. area uh-huh. my yard is loaded with them day yeah. and night uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and how many varieties of marigolds are we growing so we have seven varieties of marigolds. No um, way. I didn't even know there was more. I know, <laughs> right? We have some French marigolds. We have um, little gem marigolds, which are actually edible. The flowers are edible, so mm. you can um, get your salad bowl I was going to say the salad bowl. gem marigolds, and you have a beautiful salad all summer. Um, and we also have king-size marigolds, which is a good cutting flower. These massive yellow and orange blooms on them. Right. Yeah, those are fun. Well, so aside from the farm on Concord Street, where can people find your goods, the restaurants and shops around town? Yeah, so we sell produce to Short and Main. Um, we sell to Danielle at Pastea Via Corta. We mm-hmm. sell at Common Crow. Yeah. Um, 
We sell to a couple of places outside of town. We also sell to Tono, actually, on Main Street. I've Southern actually, Wedge. Yeah, yeah, Southern Wedge. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. So I want to know, why do you love what you do? Ooh, isn't that a loaded question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I have a two-minute commute in the morning just with uh, my legs and my cup of coffee. Yeah, and a little out of bed, and there you puppy. are. Yep, so that's super fun to get to work and... Uh, it's different every day, you know, you don't have the same sort of monotonous tasks every day. Even if you're transplanting, you're still transplanting different plants and, and you're talking to people about things that we are generally super interested in, which is always a lot of fun. Um, you know, I just relate it back to working in finance and, and just sitting at a desk and sort of having this computer screen in front of me and, and, you know, the, the, Corporate culture was something you had sort of coworkers that you were friends with, but in this industry, your friendships are so much tighter, I feel, because you have so many more ups and downs to share with each other, and it's so much more real, you know, if, you know, you have a day off of work in the office, you're sort of missing your emails and your paperwork, and that's all fine and good, but... If you miss a day of farming, things will die, you know? Right. <laughs> so yeah. there's this, there's this sense of responsibility. suddenness. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And so that sort of, I guess, that makes me really interested in it every day. You kind of are, you're needed, you know? You, mm-hmm. you need to be there for the plants. And, and they give back tenfold what you put into it with their produce and right. all the good stuff. Yeah, how about you, Tucker? Um, I love I love the food myself. Um, I'm somebody who strives on challenges, and mm. on any given day, I have to be an electrician, a plumber, a mechanic, a farmer, a manager, you know, a book accountant, yeah, jack a marketer, <laughs> you know. So I I get to do all those different aspects of the day. But when I was in college and reading about where our food came from and how the farming system is set up in the world these days, it felt completely natural and to go down the profession of providing local food yeah. for my community. But I was just going to say, providing food for community, I mean, that's something special mm-hmm. too. So very cool. So what do you think, Heather? I love this conversation. I could keep having it. I know. That's, <laughs> the, that's the problem with these. We right. call, call the short and sweet. What were we thinking? I know. <laughs> it's like long and sweet. Long and wide <laughs> right. for the next podcast. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. So Elise and Tucker Smith of Cedar Rock Gardens, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having hey, thank us. Thank you for yeah. having us. We'll have us. you back again for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And if people want to find out more about you, how can they do that? Yeah. So we're online at cedarrockgardens.com. And we are also on Facebook and Instagram under Cedar Rock Gardens. Yeah. And Tomato Release Day is May 22nd. May 22nd. As yeah. well as we're open seven days a week at 299 Concord Street. Mm-hmm. There you go. So what time do they have to get there on May 22nd? To, <laughs> to it's on a, we do it on a Wednesday okay. purposefully. Yes. So, so it's not Saturday. And yes, they, and everyone exactly. is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's But good we have know. a good supply of tomatoes and peppers and eggplants. Okay. So. What's your favorite tomato? That's the, my last question. Oh, I swear, Corey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know. I had it here, the striped German. The striped German. Oh, that's yeah. right. You said that, didn't you? Yeah. And what's special about it? Well, the striped German is a very large tomato. It can get from a pound to four pounds um, per tomato. Oh. It's kind of tie-dyed. And when you cut it, do a cross-section cut, you'll have these beautiful hues of orange, red, and yellow all on the same slice. 
That's very, yeah. very you tender. You've got to come back. You, exactly. We need to see that yeah. tomato. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Awesome. We'll have the tomato display. Yeah. In what? Late August? Mm-hmm. Early September? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that'd be something else. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. Thanks for having I'll us. I'll see you soon. All right. <laughs> I have a favorite recipe. For the week. This is our side dish, okay? We're going to start doing side dishes, which end up at the end, short little pieces at the end of our show. The problem is, the dish I'm making right now is for today, which is cold and miserable and rainy and horrible, and I, the tomato plants look like this, right? <laughs> so it is a cauliflower dish. Do you guys grow cauliflower? Yes, we do, and they're out currently because they are a cold weather plant. They're in the brassica family, and we have them, and they're full-grown seedlings ready for your gardens. Oh. So I am going to have to buy some of those seedlings because this dish is so delicious and it's so unusual. I just learned this recipe. You take a whole head of cauliflower, you core out the stem so the the mm-hmm. head remains intact without the core, and you take a stock pot, pull a little bit of olive oil, maybe a, like a quarter of an inch of olive oil on the bottom of the pan, and you brown the head of cauliflower as if you were browning a piece of meat. So mm-hmm. you just sort of keep turning it, and it gets pretty brown and golden on the outside. So you have that wonderful Maillard reaction, which we all love when things brown and the and the smell of them. Exactly. So as you would a piece of meat, right? Mm-hmm. Then you toss into the pan, into that oil, a bunch of garlic, a couple of anchovies, some chopped fresh rosemary, a can of tomatoes, and some white wine. And you bring it to a simmer, put a lid on it. It goes in the oven for a half an hour. And it is incredible. Wow. And what's really wonderful is those flavors all penetrate the whole head of cauliflower. And I always say that most great cauliflower, well, that's in quotes, air quotes, what they call great cauliflower dishes still taste like cauliflower. When you slice into them, it's still like white and cauliflower, vegetal, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is not like that. It just, it collects all those amazing flavors. So it's really a good recipe. Yeah, don't bring any in, Heather. (laughs) (laughs) I actually did have it last night, too. I don't know why I thought. All right, so next week I will bring the side dish in. Yeah, and also if you are watching out there, if you have questions for Tucker and Elise, you can fire them our way. We'll make sure to relay them to them, or we can send you them directly, too. Yes, yes, and we will be on Facebook with these things so people can ask questions Mm -hmm. there, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And so quickly, I guess, so what is happening like this very moment over at the farm? Like what are we, what are we working on and what are we harvesting at this moment? So this moment we are uh, bumping all the little baby tomatoes into their bigger cups out of their little baby trays of 98 cells. Um, and we are planting onions. We're planting pak choy. We're getting spinach seeded for, for a nice spring harvest. Uh, April's a busy month for us because we're sort of doing the seedling side of things and we're also gearing up for field work and planting all of our spring greens like arugula and mescaline mix. And it sounds like it doesn't stop when the sun goes down. You guys had headlamps on last <laughs> night, right? Oh, yeah. Aww. Whenever it's dry, we're moving yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, we're ready for a road trip, and we were saying when we were off for a little bit that we're hoping to actually bring these podcasts on location. Mm-hmm. We'd love to be in the greenhouse and over in the yeah. fields there yeah. at 299 Concord Street to see what Cedar Rock Gardens is all about. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.